Hey everyone, Misaligned is back this week. We are going to be talking about a couple of new albums today. But before we do, I just want to remind you that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. I know Pilot Study is on their little season break, but it'll be back soon. And there's a ton of great stuff you can still listen to if you haven't gotten around to missing artwork yet. That's definitely one I recommend checking out. It's nice short episodes, so just little bite-sized pictures of how designers come up with album art and that sort of thing. And on that note, we are going to be talking about the two albums I mentioned, and they are Paramore's After Laughter and the self-titled album from Harry Styles. Megan, do you have a preference of which you would like to start off with? I would say start off with Paramore, probably because that's the one that I have been playing nonstop all weekend after it came out. Because it's catchy, it's great, it's awesome, and who wouldn't love Paramore? Yeah, I think, you know, their self-titled album, I listened to quite a bit, and then I sort of just didn't listen to it for quite a while, even though I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if there's been a Paramore album that I haven't enjoyed, but it's really cool to see how their sound has progressed over all of these albums and everything, because, you know, you have something like misery business come out and it hits mtv and it just sort of explodes basically and since th- that song specifically it's like they have just gone to a whole nother level still and i think that's sort of a testament to what the band can accomplish and i think you know after laughter is a very very catchy album like you said you've been listening to it you know the entire weekend and here it is monday and you still want to talk about it after listening to it all weekend so it grabbed me right away at first because for me i will listen to so many new albums in a year that i pretty much can't listen to all of them all the time essentially especially with as many podcasts as i listen to and this one I kind of didn't even want to listen to podcasts for a while. So that sort of says something about the album alone right there. I mean, it's a great album. And to bring it back to the misery business thing for just a little bit. Last night, Haley Williams actually tweeted out amazing how much people can change mostly within. Happy 10 years, Ms. Biz, you backward minded little rascal. And thank you for the life lessons. (laughs) So... The band has grown since Misery Business, definitely. Haley's songwriting style has gotten immensely better. She's not exactly slut uh, She's not exactly slut shaming per se. And it's just that of a mature adult. And after laughter, even though the album art and the album title might be, you know, joyful, happy, etc it's pretty deep and serious like i couldn't really find myself getting into the last paramore album as much as the others which is weird because i've gone back and revisited it and it's it's since grown on me i mean one of those crazy girls might be one of my favorite paramore songs uh i don't know what that says about me but 
it's just an interesting switch from what they had on that last album to After Laughter, which does focus a lot more on depression and what happens about being accepted and all sorts of like inner turmoil. So, you know, if you look deeply into it, it's really got a lot of food for thought. And out of the songs on this album, there is one that I absolutely hate and cannot stand and just refuse to listen to. There was one that had to grow on me after a few listens. And then there's 26. And 26, I think, fits in a little better with the feel of their self-titled album. For example, I was listening to this album in the shower the other day, uh, probably, what, Saturday. And, of course, you know, Spotify Mobile, since I'm a free user, it shuffles everything and will throw in recommended songs or, like, suggested tracks. And it mixed in a lot of the self-titled stuff. And 26 came on in the midst of all that. And I was like, wait a minute. This really does fit quite nicely with this album. It's a little weird to be on After Laughter, but I'm not going to complain because it is definitely my favorite song from After Laughter. Right. So which is the song you absolutely didn't like at all? That would be No Friend. Okay. See, I listened to it, but I was in the car, so I wasn't exactly paying attention to song titles necessarily because I, you know, was watching the road and not my phone. But I definitely think that I would have to listen to it a few more times to sort of pick favorites and whatnot. But why did No Friends stand out to you in a sort of more negative way than the rest of the album since you've clearly enjoyed everything else yeah i mean probably because Haley doesn't sing on it at all which is interesting it's one of the guys just right. like talking over this intense music and i'm just like eh. Eh. it just eh. felt a little out of place for you it and really so did. out of place that it kind of just took you out of the album not so much that because like i love the closer song because I am a sucker for closing songs and tell me how is great. Like it's another really good closing song for this album, but no friend it. I don't know who's on it and I'm looking at genius right now. Huh? Interesting. Okay. I was trying to place the voice. And I have finally placed the voice, and now this makes more sense, and now I'm kind of bummed because I love me without you. So, it's basically got a spoken intro, and it's Aaron Weiss from Me Without You. Okay. And according to Genius, it's a story, like, literally a story um, Haley said in an interview that there's nice storytelling, and also he was very sweet in his writing. He picked up lines from Paramore songs and strung them through and made it about our story. So this was produced by Taylor York as well, one of the members of Paramore. But it's just interesting that they just gave Aaron Weiss an entire track. So 
technically it's the outro to Idol Worship. And it does feature um, his trademark poetry. If you're familiar with me without you, you've understood that there's a lot of spoken word stuff that they've done. And it's it's just interesting that he's weaving in all of this stuff. And man, I think, I'm pretty sure he's in Raja's Shadow too. As a completely off-kilter, random tangent for the day. <laughs> uh, and I love Raza's Shadow. That is a story for another day. But yeah, uh, since I haven't actually had access to like a physical copy of After Laughter, me, this is my reaction to just finding this all out now. Right. And do you think maybe this song would have been better served as a bonus track set? since it isn't someone in Paramore actually doing the singing? Or do you think, you know, where they placed it was kind of the only place they were going to put it in the album? Because you mentioned it's sort of an outro to Idol Worship. Yeah, I think if anything, it could have been a nice hidden track on Idol Worship. And funny story, actually, Idol Worship is the song that really had to grow on me. I wasn't like super fond on the first listen and I even said this one is probably one that's going to have to grow on me and now I love it yeah and it's funny because I'm using Apple Music to listen to it and the final track tell me how the one that you mentioned is a great closer it's grayed out so I thought it wasn't going to play for me while I was out but I guess I just can't download it for whatever reason I don't know it was very odd so I thought I was going to miss out on the closing track but thankfully I didn't because I definitely agree with with what you said and it's a solid closing track but I think for me one of the first songs that sort of really caught my attention while I was listening to it was Fake Happy Mm -hmm. and I think it was just because of the beat and the message it was sending at the same time it sort of just really caught my ear basically and kind of got stuck in my head I think that was maybe one of the first songs other than Hard Times since that was the single and we had already heard that before so after that opener you know that song just really caught my attention and I don't know if I would necessarily say it's a favorite because like I said I probably should listen to it more before declaring favorites or anything like that but I do think the first half of the album in general is really solid and that's not to say the second half is bad or anything but I think that first half just sort of really ropes you in to the full experience of the album right and I mean Julian Baker actually tweeted um earlier today (laughs) about Rose Colored Boy which is the second song So Paramore released Hard Times and Told You So, the first and the third tracks from the album, well ahead of the album's release. And then to throw Rose Colored Boy in between those songs, oh man, I like that uh, trifecta right there of the opener. But Julian tweeted earlier today, she was having a conversation with The Winter Passing and Petal about how After Laughter is so good, the winter passing said fake happy makes me feel so many emotions all at once. And she said, I did the math, and if I don't stop, I can listen to Rose Colored Boy, which is 3 minutes and 32 seconds, 480 times in one day. (laughs) So That would be a lot of the same song over and over again. (laughs) I mean, low-key, no pressure. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, just the amount of chatter we've seen about this, not only within, you know, like our group of music friends and everything like that, but just the music community in general, even the musicians, other singers and that sort of thing. The fact that they are talking about this album so much, too, I think just goes to show what exactly Paramore is capable of doing, because they're not just making fans out of music listeners they're making fans out of music makers and i think when you are able to do that in the music industry especially at the scale that paramore is at now that's sort of like the epitome of success in the scene probably when you know you have all of these other respected artists and musicians and everything talking about your album in that sort of way oh yeah totally and i mean this is a complete departure from what we're actually used to hearing from Paramore. This album actually takes on more of an 80s power pop feel. I have gotten hints of the Talking Heads from here, a little bit of Holland Oates. Um, throw in some great 90s pop as well. And it's a nice blend. Like, it's got that nostalgic sound that we're all kind of just living in the era of right now since... Apparently, the look of the 90s is back. Uh, occasionally, you know, some of the 80s looks. If you saw SNL this weekend, Haim performed. And one of the girls, I always, always, always mix up the sisters. So forgive me. But the singer was wearing a Canadian tuxedo. You know, that denim on denim look. But her denim jacket featured these heavy, intense shoulder pads. So, in a way, fashion echoes music, music echoes art, everything runs in a giant circle. And I'm dreading the day that the 2000s come back in style because no one wants to relive that era. Um, small tangent aside, it's great. And I actually did tweet out that I would love, and I mean love, if you could see how animated my face is right now, it's like, yes. But I would absolutely love to see Paramore do something with Carly Rae Jepsen. And why is that? Because this album has kind of, you know, a great Carly Rae Jepsen sound that we saw on Emotion. Right. And then with 26, when I listened to that for the first time, in my head, I was just like, oh, my God. So if Haley can do a duet with Joy Williams from the Civil Wars, she can totally do a duet with Casey Musgraves, and this would be the song that I could see it being done. Yeah, and I know Paramore did just announce a tour either earlier today or Friday or something like that, but do you know who they are taking on tour with them? Has that been yes, announced or not that yet? that has been announced. Okay. I am actually debating if I want to go to National Harbor to see them at a casino. Very nice casino, I may add. But uh, they will be taking Best Coast with them on tour. Okay. I think that's a pretty good fit. Yeah, that is already guaranteed to be an awesome lineup. And that's why I'm kind of like, hmm, do I really want to drive up to the D.C. region in September, even though I hate driving up to D.C.? Paramore might make it worth it, especially at the MGM Grand. Yeah, it looks like they're coming to L.A., so we we will see if I go see them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think it's funny that that's their D.C. date, and it's really National Harbor, which is closer to Alexandria, Virginia, and Oxon Hill, Maryland, really. 
So I don't know. But this venue is literally less than a year old. So that's even cooler. I think Bruno Mars was performing there uh, either a few weeks ago or it's upcoming. I don't remember which. Okay. And it would be interesting to see even, I know you mentioned obviously her doing something with all of these other artists, but if she does something with Bethany from Best Coast, that would definitely be a treat to see, even if they still have somewhat different styles in their music. I don't think Best Coast has ever really gotten too 80s, but they definitely have this sort of unique sound going for them. And I think their voices could mesh well together. Oh, I would probably die if Bethany and Haley sang together because that would be awesome. Just the sunny California pop meeting this awesome 80s pop. Whew. That would be awesome. Very, yeah. very awesome. <laughs> well, do you have any other thoughts on this album or should we move on to Harry Styles? I mean, we are going to take such a weird um, uh, jump from this album to Harry Styles because they are two different musical stylings. And these were two albums from last week that were highly, highly anticipated, both by music industry folks and fans alike. So uh, we'll see how this transition goes. (laughs) But I will say that this is their pop crossover. Sure. Um, I've heard Misery Business played on both the alt-rock and um, top 40 stations, both here in Virginia and in Pennsylvania. And I know that... The only exception was played ad nauseum on the adult contemporary stations up in Pennsylvania. And I don't think Brick by Boring Brick was played on the radio. I know that was one of their singles. I don't think I recall hearing it nearly as much or if at all. But I know that with now on the self-titled album, that sort of definitely leaned a lot more pop than I think any of their previous stuff had. So I feel like... This is sort of the full-on transition, basically, and it worked very well for them because you could really see them leading up to this, and you could see their music maturing with each record as well. Mm -hmm. And actually, with their self-titled, I still hear Ain't It Fun more on the adult contemporary stations than I do even on a pop, um, pop station. And the same goes for Still Into You. But this area is very weird in what they play on the radio. So that, you know, it's it varies by region. <laughs> right. Like, I've definitely heard more from Riot and Brand New Eyes on the radio in Pennsylvania than the self-titled stuff. And that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's switch gears here and talk about Harry Styles' self-titled solo release. I have to say that if I wasn't going to Apple Music to specifically listen to it and I just heard it, you know, one of the songs on the radio or something, I would have had no clue this was Harry Styles because I never really listened to One Direction. Sure, I heard their songs, but I never really could put the voices with the people, I guess, because I just never paid attention that much. So I heard this and I was kind of pleasantly surprised by it. So before we dive into sort of what this album was all about and everything, did you enjoy it? Oh, yes. 
Okay. I mean, Harry did give us a little preview of this album on SNL a few weeks ago when he performed. And my God, that episode of SNL, Harry Styles with a beard. Yes. So much yes. Uh, that is a superficial, um, you know, little thing I've noticed. But, you know, if he could actually grow a beard, he'd look great with one. Too bad we're stuck with whatever that thing was that he was growing on his face for that SNL performance. Anyway, um, as a low-key, very, very low-key One Direction stan, uh, I was a little late to the game and actually, you know, appreciating the boys. So I've heard uh, Niall. Neil, Niall. I always say his name wrong. See, this is how I have no idea. <laughs> he is my favorite. He is adorable. Anyway, um, I've heard his first two radio singles, and they're not bad, but they definitely lean more towards kind of the Ed Sheeran style of songwriting and singing, but okay. whatever. And then we've all heard Zayn Malik with um, Pillow Talk, something with pillows. I don't know. I didn't really like that song. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have the song that he did with Taylor Swift, I Don't Want to Live Forever, which is featured on Fifty Shades Darker soundtrack. I, I really can't help you there. <laughs> Sorry. What trilogy, what book number that is. Uh, anyway, so there's that. And then you have Harry. And Harry's sound is, you know is weird to hear on top 40 stations because i've heard sign of the times a lot on the top 40 station here but it fits in more with a classic rock style like if i were just channel surfing i wouldn't be surprised at all if you know it was maybe like early stones or early beatles uh that is the sound which is drastically different from what he did in One Direction and what the guys are currently doing on their solo endeavors. I think commercially, he might be the one to be the most popular. Like, he might be the Justin Timberlake of One Direction with a completely different style and really bad tattoos. But, <laughs> I mean, they're really bad. Have you seen them? I have um, not, to be honest. Oh, gosh. You should probably look them up because it is laughable. Uh, we're talking Ed Sheeran levels of bad. Okay. But maybe not Ed Sheeran levels of coverage. Um, but the teenagers love him. I mean, he was on the Today Show with their summer concert series, and he made a teen girl's day when he brought her up on stage as a surprise. She was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. This is awesome. And, I mean, sure, Niall and Zayn have that um, recognition from being in One Direction, and they have a solid pop foundation, but Harry's getting into the actual, like, meat of the music industry, and it's, I don't know, it's a nice departure from pop stuff. Yeah, and you mentioned the stones earlier i think there's also at times a little bit of aerosmith in there too simply because i don't want to say he can sound like steven tyler because i don't think anyone can sound like steven tyler if they tried that's like saying someone could sound like you know mariah carey or something for the men anyway but in i believe it's sign of the times you see a huge range 
in his voice. And I think the high notes on that sort of just reminded me a little of what Aerosmith does. And he definitely blends a lot more than just pop and rock in this, even though I would probably largely say it's a pop rock album. Oh, yeah. He's got a little bit of soul in here. He's got a little bit of a sound we're used to hearing from American artists. And, of course, his style right now, he kind of looks like Mick Jagger. He's got that nice boho thing going for him. And, I mean, when he was on SNL, he did throw some shade with uh, a line about, why would anyone want to leave a successful band and go solo but this was him in character as Mick Jagger which made it even more funny um because we know how you know Mick Jagger's career has been we know how the Rolling Stones have been yada 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 also if you haven't seen this episode of SNL you probably should it's actually quite good I have not I'm really bad at watching SNL every once in a while I will watch some clips online but it's definitely more rare than it is an often thing that I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, last week's episode with Chris Pine and LCD Sound System wasn't the strongest this season. This week's episode with Melissa McCartney, or Melissa McCarthy, I'm mixing up like crazy anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy <laughs> with wonderful, wholesome Melissa McCarthy. Uh, anyway, I'm, prob- I'm probably mixing up all these names. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, but her episode with Haim was really good because she is just a fantastic comedian. And then Harry's episode. I don't remember who hosted for the life of me, but I just remember that Harry Styles was on and I watched this while I was in Pennsylvania. Nice. And on a side note real quick, James Shotwell actually wrote a pretty great review of this record over at Substream, so I will link to that. I don't know if Modern Vinyl has done any coverage on this. Do you know if this got a vinyl release? I'm sure Paramore did, but do you know if this one did? It did get a vinyl release, I'm pretty sure, because I do remember this coming out across the Twitter. I'm going to go into the back end right now and see, but I'm pretty sure this did get some coverage from Modern Vinyl. Okay as we are all kind of low-key Styles fans. Uh, I just didn't know if there was a review because I'm actually really bad at reading album reviews, no matter who posts them. I don't think there's a review up because I don't think any of us actually, you know, ordered the album for a review. So let me look. This is where we insert the music of like Jeopardy or something while I search. (laughs) Um, Yes, so this album, was published on the 17th of April about how the LP is up for pre-order. I think James may have ordered it. I don't know. I haven't ordered stuff in a while, so I sort of have been making somewhat of an effort to not pay attention to what's coming out, just so I'm not spending money unnecessarily. Yeah, no, I've been shopping in stores and picking up stuff lately. So anyway, uh, yes. The solo self-titled album from Harry Styles was available for pre-order at Amazon. It is a single LP housed in a gatefold jacket. Uh, Features, you know, the album art of him shirtless with his bad tattoos and the necklace being backwards and he's all wet. Um, The Amazon listing also states that there is a hardcover book version of the CD, but that is not found on their site yet. So 
apparently one commenter was like, well, I want to know if the book comes with the vinyl or not because I want that book. And another person posted on May 12th, yes, it comes with the book. So let me just double check this listing right now because that would be a cool thing. That sounds very confusing. (laughs) It's Amazon. So the vinyl is for sale on Amazon right now for $27.98. If you go through like an Amazon partner, you can get it cheaper for $21.11. I would hope at $27 that it at least comes with the book because I feel like that's pretty steep for a single. That is steep for a single. And it looks like it does come with the book. Okay. That makes more sense then. I'm also laughing at what it's telling me is frequently bought together. So apparently, people have been buying this Harry Styles record with Ed Sheeran's Divide record, which is a 2LP, 180-gram vinyl. So you can buy the both of those together for the low, low price of fifty six twenty six. Customers who bought this solo record also bought Haim Something to Tell You, the Rolling Stone issue with Harry Styles on the cover from May 4th. That makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, which is now available on vinyl, which is awesome. I and did Ed not Sharon. know that. Yeah. Uh, the box, that's like $300. Here we are, Amazon shopping on air. <laughs> Actually, I'm not Amazon shopping the Lemonade stuff right now. I just remember Chris posted about that and I freaked out because Lemonade was pressed on a lemon yellow wax. Smart choice there. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Okay, here we go. The album is available digitally and in three physical formats. A limited edition hardcover book version of the CD featuring 32 pages of exclusive images from the recording process, a standard package CD, and a vinyl LP version in a gatefold jacket. That is absolutely confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we will link to this and you guys can decide if you want to decode this Amazon listing here and buy it. But why don't we sort of get back to the album itself a bit? Did you instantly have a favorite song on this? I was only able to listen to it once before we recorded this, but I did at least listen to it. So you guys, I said I was going to listen to something and I did it. And here we are. I definitely think I need to listen to this more because one I enjoyed it and two I sort of had songs that stood out but because I couldn't listen to them multiple times before recording this I don't know if I necessarily want to say I have favorites but like I mentioned earlier sign of the time sort of stood out for the high notes he hit and the range she showed during that and then I believe it was Carolina that had a very prominent baseline in it that really stood out to me and that I thought was really good. I'm going to sound like every, you know, Harry Styles fangirl right now, but Kiwi is definitely one of my favorites. Okay. I really love Kiwi and not just cuz kiwi fruit is delicious. Um of note though is Ever Since New York. Yeah, that one stood out too. So people have said that that was Harry's uh you know, song about Taylor Swift. Like, apparently there were some similarities with his songwriting style and her songwriting style. So, lyrically, 
lyrically, um, I believe, yes, he did perform this one on SNL. This is a song he performed, the second song after Sign of the Times. That's also, I was like, oh, that's why it sounds familiar, because, yeah. Um, people have said, oh, well, this is uh, Harry's reaction song to style. Okay. And let's see. Why does this not want to load? Ah, yes. So on the Genius page, here we go. Is the song about Taylor Swift? As everyone knows, they dated in 2012, and her two singles from 1989, Out of the Woods, of which I much prefer the Ryan Adams version, (laughs) and Style, are supposedly about him. So fans noted the parallels with her song Welcome to New York since they were publicly captured in Central Park by the paparazzi in their first sighting as a couple. And I literally am quoting this verbatim, but theories circulated that ever since New York is his clap back to Swift. I never want to actually say the word clap back to anybody ever again in my life because I don't understand the youth lingo. Um <laughs> And right now, the internet is a buzz about conspiracy theories about how Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by a clone. Too many theories out there. But I did see that. Uh, and then I was like, this is too weird for me to even bother with. But <laughs> please continue. Yeah, yeah. So Harry told Rolling Stone that his time with Taylor Swift was far from a normal experience, but he doesn't regret it. And he's also explicitly not saying who he's writing about. So, you know, he's not shading her, it doesn't look like. I've been using the word shade a lot lately. I'm <laughs> turning into the use that I hate. Um, I don't know, but I do like what he says. This little graph right here. Certain things don't work out. There's a lot of things that can be right and it's still wrong. In writing songs about stuff like that, I like tipping a hat to the time together. You're celebrating the fact that it was powerful and made you feel something rather than this didn't work out and that's bad. And if you run into that person, maybe it's awkward and maybe you have to get drunk, but you shared something. Meeting someone new, sharing those experiences, it's the best shit ever. So thank you. So yeah, you know, hearing this live is fantastic. And uh, I mean, right up in the first verse, He says, choose your words because there's no antidote for this curse. Oh, what's it waiting for? Must this hurt you just before you go? So clearly, you know, he's sick of people being like, oh, my God, Taylor Swift wrote a song about him. Oh, my God. I feel like that might be how every guy feels who said that happened to them in regards to Taylor Swift. I feel like the only guy that's been like, eh, whatever, has been John Mayer. Yeah. And I think it's because he has his own songs that are just so big as well that it's like he's the one who can kind of get away with it, I guess you could say. Yeah, I don't know. But I think for me, the reason why the song stood out so much is because ever since New York sort of really slowed things down mm-hmm. and it didn't do it in a way where it felt out of place it still fit in with the general vibe of the album and everything, but it sort of just gave you this little break before, you know, you had the final two songs to end the album and sort of pick up that faster pace again. Yeah. 
Also, diving into genius right now with this album is actually kind of fun because it gives out random useless facts that pretty much everybody knows. Um, hmm. For example, Kiwi. Of course, I would X out of it and now I'm back on it. <laughs> Computer's being really slow. Um, but with Kiwi, it talks about three uses of the word Kiwi. Um which have absolutely nothing to do with this song. So first off, Kiwi is about his relationship with an unidentified person. And when he was announced as the guest host for SNL on the, on April 15th, it was also announced that he would perform his first single sign of the times and another song from his debut solo album, which turned out to be the song we just discussed. But he trolled his fans by sending out plates of kiwi fruit to the people who were waiting for his performance. So that caused these girls to think that he was going to perform kiwi. Nope, he didn't do it. <laughs> but yes, uh, as of the album's release date, it remains unclear why the song is called kiwi. The three typical uses of the word are the fruit, which I have learned people eat with a spoon, which is weird to me. Like they scoop out the fruit with a spoon maybe i'm weird and don't eat kiwi that way um the small flightless bird from new zealand which is adorable and the colloquial term for people from new zealand so people are saying oh well given the song's lyrics some theories and my god i have never read so many random internet theories about any artist before unlike the one direction guys don't dive into that section of the internet. It's awful, and you will just want to, you know... I don't plan on it. I think we're yeah, good. <laughs> um, but yes, so people thought that the song was about an actress from New Zealand. And I guess New Zealand has always been important and special to the members of One Direction, to the point where Harry even has a tattoo of the New Zealand national emblem, the silver fern on his arm. You're right, those are bad tattoos. <laughs> yeah, uh, he really has some... I mean, really, you should Google them. They are hilariously bad. Okay, um, I will do that when we are done with this. <laughs> yes. it's. I think he has a butterfly, too. I don't know. I'm just like, Harry, why would you get all these tattoos? But on his album cover, you can actually see some of the smaller ones, like on maybe the back of his shoulder. Okay. It looks like it's a guitar. Um, why don't we take a little dive into Harry Styles' tattoos on this episode? I'm kidding. But apparently he's got uh, 65 tattoos. It seems like a lot of them are small, at least the ones you can see in the album cover. Yeah. Like, he's kind of gone the Miley Cyrus route when it comes to uh, tattoos. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Apparently he's got 67 now. That's a lot. Yeah, like some of his big ones include a butterfly on his chest. Uh, he's got two birds on his pecs. Good God. This is so bad. <laughs> and this one website that I'm on right now actually features temporary tattoo sheets that you can get with the tattoos of Harry Styles. That's a little creepy. <laughs> My God, I need to get off the internet. I need to get off his side of the internet. This is what happens when you become a member of a very popular um, boy band. 
I mean, I'm sure, you know, if the internet had been as big of a presence in the 90s, people would have been analyzing every single thing that the guys at Backstreet Boys or NSYNC have done. Right. Well, do you have any final thoughts on the album before we hit our recommendations for the day? If you're just kind of blowing this album off because it's Harry Styles and he was in a boy band, don't do that. Don't have that mindset. You should give it a listen because it is much different than what his One Direction counterparts are putting out. It is much different than what Justin put out when he went solo from NSYNC, even JC Chazé. It's refreshing to see a pop star not go in a pop direction that's so blatantly poppy. It's folksy. It's got that great classic sound. It's it's worth listening to. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I know this was one you mentioned talking about, and I probably would have checked it out eventually had we not covered it on the podcast. So, you know, I basically just got around to it a lot sooner than I more than likely would have. So I concur with checking it out. Don't just sort of gloss over this release when you're looking at release lists or anything like that or looking at the new albums lists in Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use to listen to music. But on that note, that wraps up our two album discussions for today. Megan, do you have any recommendations this week? I do. One is a song and one is a podcast. Nice. So... Bleachers is coming out with new music, which is awesome, and I've probably recommended their stuff before in an earlier episode, but the third single released is called Everybody Lost Somebody. Ooh, that's a good song. I believe it came out on Friday. I have also listened to that nonstop this weekend, and uh, shout out to Spencer. You're a trooper. I'm sorry I made you listen to Paramore a lot this weekend to the point where you said it was... um, the album sounded the same. It was good, but it all sounded the same. At least I didn't make him listen to Harry Styles, and I probably should have. But anyway, um, now the Bleacher song is great. Like, Jack can do no wrong. And when I was listening to it, I was just like, mm, I miss Steel Train. This kind of gives me some Steel Train vibes. Can Steel Train ever reunite and come back together and make music <laughs> again? Because that would be great. And... Uh, In a non-music recommendation, the Washington Post put out a podcast called Other, Mixed Race in America. It is a five-part mini-series where the episodes are all under 30 minutes. It is hosted by Alex Laughlin, who takes her experiences as a half-Asian, half-white person in society and weaves that into a podcast which focuses on different elements of being mixed race in America. Like this was one that stood out to me since I am mixed race, but she discusses um, what it's like to be black when you look white and passing like that sort of thing, or why it's important to have the representation you see in artists like Mitski or authors like Ruth Ozeki. 
Um, in the fourth episode, she interviews a woman who was interred in the Japanese American internment camps after World War II, which was very interesting. And it is a podcast miniseries that basically made me cry. That definitely sounds like an interesting one to check out. It really is. Yeah. As someone who has so many podcasts to listen to, it's definitely nice to see some that sort of just do a mini series because then I feel like I can more easily digest that and not sort of have this thought that I'm going to have another podcast every single week for a while. <laughs> so I might have to go check that out. My recommendation this week, though, is also a podcast, but it's my own. So, you know, I'm cheating a little here and doing some self-promotion, but over at Welcome to Geekdom. I've done quite a few episodes recently that I think some people here would also enjoy if you're into movies or books or anything like that. We sort of have everything covered as of late, especially books, though, because I did an episode with Ryan Gardner on Stephen King. I did an episode on 1984 with Trent Gill. And I think... 1984 is something that has been brought up a lot more recently, just with the election and everything like that, and the whole Big Brother is watching you thing and whatnot. So definitely check that out. See what episodes might pique your interest and everything like that. I definitely do not expect every single person who listens to that podcast to listen to every single episode. I sort of do it so that People can pick and choose, skip things they don't like. Megan, I'm sure you know this because I believe you were on like the second episode and we did an episode about libraries, which might not excite everyone. <laughs> this is true. Not everyone is as much of a fan of the library card song from Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I, I would guess there are a lot of people who aren't as fond of it as you are. <laughs> and help it. I'm a nerd. I totally understand that, hence why I have a podcast called Welcome to Geekdom as well. You know, geeky, nerdy things right down my alley there. But that is all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys could rate or review the show over on iTunes, that would be a big help to us. We don't ask every episode because I know it's sort of annoying, especially when you probably have apps on your phone constantly asking you to rate and review them and everything like that. But if you could do it, it would be a great help. If not, no worries. We will not judge you. We don't even know who listens to this unless you tell us. <laughs> you know, it's not like we, we will know if you don't do it. But as always, thank you guys for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.